Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, Sawyer. Now, now, Daddy gets to tell you about what a weird naked orgy is and uh, what the school scene was. And also, why that guy has a spike all the way through him. Yeah. That's true, that's true. Welcome to the Junior Year, episode 27 of the Horror Pod Glass. My name is Tyler, and I am the editor-in-chief here at Signal Horizon Magazine. Signal Horizon is dedicated to exploring horror both in and out of the classroom. And when I'm not managing Signal Horizon, I'm a teacher at a local high school. Actually, not at a local high school, here at my dining room table, as I have been for the last six months. But... At least I am here uh, with my good buddy and co-host at Signal Horizon. He's our monster ambassador. Uh, give it up for award-winning writer Oren Gray. What up, Oren? Hey, polite clapping, I imagine, in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I need to add that in in post. <laughs> uh, we'll leave that for season four or something. I don't know. So tonight we have a very, very special guest. Brock Wilbur is a writer, musician, comedian, actor, amateur tap dancer and perhaps most importantly a journalist for Orin and i that journalist role is most important because it has led him on a venture from los angeles back to his hometown of kansas city where brock is now the editor-in-chief of the pitch uh it's the city's independent magazine he has two incredibly cute cats woodward and bernstein uh, he is also 12 feet tall, but one of the nicest guys I've ever met. So uh, he has a lot to say. Let's uh, let's talk to Brock for a moment. Brock, what have you been reading or writing or uh, watching? You know, what's what's tripping your trigger this week? Liberate to Timé. <laughs> I know, right? Hello. <laughs> and that's how we begin. Yeah, that was awesome. Awkward silence now. <laughs> No, no, that's great. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, what a fun question. Thank you for having me on, guys. Uh, I love the, uh, the applause that you inserted from the crab people. Always uh, shows better with crab people. That was a great way to fill that uncomfortable silence. Uh, fun to be here. Fun to be here. Uh, I have been watching and reading uh, mostly uh, news 24 hours a day as I tried to cover a global pandemic from my couch. Uh, I have watched the Amazon show uh, Upload. Uh, which is uh, just the good place from the other guy from the office uh, about a digital afterlife, uh, and it okay, is okay, cool, all right, wildly uh, like cruel and dark. Uh, it is just, I thought I was gonna get it like it's it's the trailer makes it look like something of a wacky comedy, uh, and the first episode I was like, this seems too cynical even for me and it does not get lighter wow, from there. Okay. So this I was is like, a... wow, this is it's worth bringing to you, to you guys. It is <laughs> is truly horror. Uh Yeah, so fun surprise there. <laughs> I heard somebody describe it as like the horror version of uh San Junipero, which is like my favorite episode of uh Black Mirror ever. And It is it is very that. Yeah, it's got a lot of that if that was even more mean mean spirited. <laughs> oh, if there were more murders awesome. in that, let's do yeah. that. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is exactly right. What we need right now is people being mean to each other. <laughs> oh. Sounds a little, uh, I don't know. Sounds a little rough for this yeah. timeline. Right, right. <laughs> and that's that's available on Amazon, right? Yeah, it's a Amazon streaming product. So, would you say that you recommend it? 50/50? You know what I'd recommend is the service 
a Quibi, because uh, that's going to be around for not very long. So if you <laughs> yeah. want to watch uh, 13 episodes of uh, Reno 911 uh, while holding your phone up, because that's the only way to, to view it, Quibi. There's, there's definitely yeah. not enough of that out in the world, yeah. I know. Right. The service for you. <laughs> well, and, and I was uh, reading online, like, uh, is that's an Amazon thing too, right? No, it's uh, Katzenberg. Okay, okay. But, like, they blamed the pandemic on the fact that it has not done well. <laughs> Which... Well, also, like, the, the entirety, the entire point of Quibi was to make shows that were under a certain uh, timeline, time frame. Uh, because if the episodes are of that length, it actually falls into a new media agreement, which means that you can avoid almost every union except the Teamsters union and go new, new, uh, non-union on your hires. So, like, the entire purpose of Quibi uh, was to do union busting uh, for the future oh, of entertainment. Shit. So, you know what? Fuck them in their asses that yeah. they can't pull this off. Yeah. They didn't even spend money on it. Come on. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. So, yeah. Screw that business. I, like... Definitely get get in there and do that while you can. Right, right. I accidentally did a journalism. Whoops. (laughs) Yep. The journalist integrity uh, we promised everyone. Starting at minutes. I love love to bring the journalism of telling somebody that they can go fuck themselves in their asses. (laughs) Good, good, good. This is is the content we bring you on for. Yeah, but but that that is exactly what we would expect. You know, the the pitch, not to get off on a huge tangent, but, you know, uh, the the pitch always uh, had an edge, you know? Like... uh, it, it had an agenda that was pretty unabashed. It was uh, like, I, I don't know. I started reading it in college. So like, I, I, it was cool, you know, like it was just a, a, a cool periodical to read. So of course they would be. With, with some frequency, I get letters, handwritten letters mostly because you, that's how you know it comes from a lunatic. <laughs> uh, from people in the community telling me that like, Hey, I've been reading the pitch for years, and you just started here, but I don't like all the bad language you're using. And I was like, what fucking magazine have you been reading for 40 years that doesn't have bad words in it? Like, I I think you're trying to trick me because I'm new to the job, and you're like, before this, no one said the bad words. And I'm just like, I don't know. And, like, also the stories that we cover... Like, one of the stories that I got a letter about was, like, about, like, the sex industry. And I was like, if I, they, they were like, you know, with these bad words are going to corrupt the youth. And I was like, even if I take out the word blowjob, like, we're still describing blowjobs. Like, I, I can't, the, the content doesn't change. Yeah. <laughs> the product that she was offering. Right, right. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Goods and or services. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I think that might read a little bit uh, like parody or satire, so I might have a, a good chuckle full with it. But yeah, man. You know what? Actually, yes, I should do more of that, where I just take the content we have and put in a bunch of oh pickles yeah. and uh, call it good. <laughs> yeah, and you could uh, market it to you know those sixty, seventy year olds that may uh, that may be writing you that uh, that on notebook paper their their letter of discontent. Yeah. <laughs> Now, some of them are on postcards, which means they come to, from jail. And I'm like, who are you coming from jail to police my language? <laughs> yeah, like, I think maybe you... Look, I killed a guy, but I don't like the yeah. word fuck, right, all right? right. You, did, you did a murder. You're, you're not a cop. Why are you yeah. copping me? <laughs> Jeez, Luis. Well, again, I don't, I don't envy that position, you know? Uh, how, how long have you been editor-in-chief now? I, I started in January, so I got a whole uh, two issues out before Holy this hit, shit. and then I was like, oh, God, I, I, uh, say, like, I ruined a 40-year like, institution. The pandemic. It's the worst yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, like, 
that was uh Oren and I were kind of talking about this episode last week and like I started reading the pitch when I was in college and in late high school because they always covered punk rock concerts you know like they could tell me right. when where they were at and what they were doing it was back when El Torreon was a big deal and like it was it was great for that so the, you know now that there's none of that anymore you know it's like dude that f- <laughs> We were sending an issue to press that had like three pages of calendar stuff, and it was like a day or two that before Lucas had to announce stay-at-home orders, but we had to turn it in and get it printed, and we were like, do we cut these pages because none of this is going to happen, yeah. or like, is this all going to blow over in the next 15 days by the time this hits uh, stands? And I was like, I think we pull the calendar. Yeah. I think that we... We roll the dice that things are not gonna go well here for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. You should have just you should just retitled the calendar. Shit, you're not gonna. Yeah, get to right, do. right. Well, and the problem is that like uh, as has uh, earned us uh, national scorn, uh, Missouri's governor uh, at the start of the month uh, lifted the ban on con- concerts so that concerts can happen again. Uh, which uh, Monday of last week, I started getting press releases from local KC venues being like, "We're starting to have shows," and it's like, "Okay, but like." The social distancing law remains in effect. Do, are you are you hiring uh, chaperones like a like a Christian middle school dance <laughs> right. to keep everyone separate <laughs> from each other? Because that's the only way that this makes sense. And when everyone rushes the stage to do a, a pit, like uh, who's stopping that? Like I just don't understand. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, it's going to be a rest. Everybody, everybody has to show up in like a little. Yeah. And, and, on, and on Friday, the the local uh, escape rooms open up, which is uh, that's incredible to me, like uh, to go with seven of your friends and lock yourself in a room for entertainment right now in a room that like the point is to touch everything. Yeah, I, I just don't. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for the, you know, be like cough on this button and it will, you know. Turn into a key. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great for everybody. I, I, I do like the idea of a Corona themed escape room that it's just you get there and it's just your apartment yeah <laughs> they've just recreated it in its entirety and and the only way to get out is to watch like 12 hours of old episodes of you know some sitcom you, you just you yeah. actually you actually I'm just down, send them down, your credit down. card Quibi. information and then you gotta stay watch in your Quibi. apartment it's fine like <laughs> yeah yeah oh shit man. this was safer it was less fun but it was safer yeah Ah, uh, well... Speaking of OSHA safety uh, rules, let's talk about Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Stuck in a small, confined space with uh, what feels like somebody that's possessed. That has been me and my children for the last two uh, two months. But hey, whatever. Before we get to uh, Event Horizon, though, Oren, uh, you wanted to say a little piece about Richard yeah, Sala. Um, yeah, just... Uh, so Richard Sala is a... Uh, he's a, a comic artist. He did... Um, a show on Liquid Television way back when Liquid Television was a thing, but he's done just a ton of comics and they're great and they're great for horror fans. And he passed away a couple days ago at a pretty young age at 61. Um, and he was just a really cool guy who did really cool comics and you can see them on a lot of them on his Tumblr. So we're going to link to that and just everybody go check out Richard Sala cause he was amazing. Very cool. Yeah. And that will act as our dark corner. I, I am not as uh, well versed as Oren, obviously, but uh, his stuff has uh, like a whimsy and a playfulness that really does remind me of that kind of classic movie monster spooky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's feeling. definitely like drawing from like that and Giallo and stuff, and it's just mixing it all together, and it's it's really good stuff. Very good. Well, yeah. Uh, 
you know, rest in peace. Uh, it's Salah, not Salah, though. <laughs> yeah, whatever. We said we said them both. Either way, uh, you know, a hundred and twenty days of Salah. <laughs> Ooh, that is a that that is a fundamentally different thing. I don't I don't know if I'd want to see the comic. <laughs> Do what? Now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Well, Back that to brings us to tonight's yeah to uh, tonight's essential question, which is why is Event Horizon so goddamn scared? Picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the Event Horizon. She's come back. The Event Horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space. There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been and what it's brought back with it. Did you hear that? What is it? This ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? Oh. I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh, my God. It knows my secrets. <laughs> my fears. Vacate. I want off this ship. I can't leave. She won't let you. God help us. For those of you that are not familiar with Event Horizon, I will give you the uh, relatively long, short version of the movie here. Uh, according signal horizon. Yeah. Ah, uh, accor- I'm just gonna promote the side. Uh, no, I love Sunday, that. Keep, Sunday, keep it up, man. Sunday. It's like putting like a, a watermark <laughs> over your content. Every once in a while, just signal horizon. Oh yeah, right. that that'll be the. Uh, I, you know, I watch a lot of like uh, screeners and stuff with my wife, and uh, it drives her absolutely bonkers that everything has like a ginormous watermark in the back that. <laughs> prevents you from watching the movie in any kind of like decent fashion you know tyler my, from my favorite is when it includes like my name uh-huh. my wife's name over it too and you're just like why'd you insert me in yeah. this? it feels weird i don't want to be yeah. here i don't like my name that much to begin with i definitely don't need to look up and see it all the time yeah. why am i blocking meryl streep in this copy of the post yeah do you really think i'm gonna rip this i promise i won't yeah just yeah make this movie watchable yeah i one of the things that I'm watching right now is uh, the new movie that's coming out on VOD. Uh, it's a horror movie. It's uh, got Mary J. Blige in it called Body Cam. And 
the the whole movie is dark because it right. takes place at night. But then it's been colored really dark to begin with, and then you put the watermark in front of it, and it's it's like barely barely freaking watchable. And I think the movie's okay. I just you I just can't, can't see tell. A goddamn, right. Yeah, I just can't see a goddamn thing. So it's like okay, uh, I'll I'll probably give it a good review because yeah, the guy, the publicist is pretty nice, and I, I think assume the this movie was good. Yes, <laughs> yes. For my vision impaired people, uh, yeah, I think the it sounds great. So yeah, knock yourself out. All right, so I'll read you a real quick summary of this movie, and then we're gonna ask Brock because Brock is the one that picked this movie to begin with. What uh, what about Deep Horizon uh, makes him so excited? But here we Deep That's Horizon. A, it's a different Sorry. movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my bad. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Signal Horizon. <laughs> All right. Here's your summary. Dr. William Weir is a scientist who has designed a spacecraft called Event Horizon. The ship employs a special transport mechanism that, in effect, creates a black hole that the ship can pass through, allowing it to travel tremendous distances in a few seconds. The Event Horizon mysteriously disappears in the midst of a mission with no trace of either the ship or the crew, but it reappears in Neptune's orbit after a seven-year absence, and it's sending out a distress signal. The spaceship, Lewis and Clark, and Dr. Weir are sent to investigate. The crew, already tired and unenthusiastic about this assignment, <laughs> sounds a little bit like maybe tonight's episode, I don't know, <laughs> and somewhat confused by the Weir's reports, the crew of the Lewis and Clark are convinced that Weir is not telling them something, and when they discover the event horizon, they find that things are not what they seem, and an evil presence has taken over the ship. Okay, Brock, I admittedly... I love this film, but it is really polarizing. There are a lot of people that don't like it. Why'd you pick this movie? So Event Horizon, uh, is a, it holds a special place in my heart because uh, as, a, as like a teenager, this was absolutely the scariest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, and it, it exists in this place where uh, nothing about it should have existed. Uh, for one, Paul W. Paul w. S. Anderson is the director, and uh, he has made nothing but shit his entire life. A couple of things that I'm pretty okay with, but the rest is just dumb fucking shit. And then this movie is really goddamn good and clever and well shot, and the acting in it is great. But also, it just steals everything from somewhere else. Like, there's whole swaths of it that are just the movie Alien or 2001. Yeah. Like, there, it's that... But repackaged in a dumb way that doesn't feel dumb. And it, it, it takes some chances and it goes some places. And what it creates in the end is something that uh, is derivative but memorable in this, in this way that some of the greats of, of all-time horror uh, get to be. And so there's so much that it brings to the table that now, 20-plus years out, like... I play video games or read video game reviews or see other movies and like the touchstone point is not what they stole from but to be like this is derivative of Event Horizon and you're like fucking what's wrong with your brain because that nothing nothing started here uh, but like it, it, it took so many chances and did so many interesting and fun things that like who cares if they weren't the first to it? It just got put all together. And on top of it, it's one of the first movies I can remember watching uh, of the horror genre where uh, about halfway through, our protagonist is no longer our protagonist and actually transforms into our antagonist. And, like, there's something wildly frightening about that, which also, like, 
this is stolen from Alien to take the main characters and suddenly they aren't the main characters and somebody that was an ancillary character is now the only one left in the lead and you're like, oh, I didn't see that yeah. coming. Especially if it was 1979, you weren't putting the money on the, the screamy woman to be the one to survive. Uh, and so, yeah, there's there's so much that it does and it's it's so visually interesting and so much about it is is frightening in a way that like there are certainly plenty of jump scares but nothing needs to jump to to get to you there's there's enough rooms with flickering lights and weird surprises and just uh, s- surprising gore that's there but also like a man on fire can just slowly walk towards you and it doesn't even need music underneath it to be so deeply unsettling yeah uh, so yeah and and it, it really tears into something that um, you know a normally a space film uh, you're getting into like, the problems of, of a ship that's falling apart or you're getting into like zero G pressurization, which is stuff that they get into. But all of this stems from a place uh, that it is all fueled by the, the the darkest psychological scars of everyone involved. So there is there's an element of that that I feel uh, really ups the characters in a way that a genre film doesn't really do it gives you a little insight into everyone yeah. especially before they die uh it, it really toys with them in this cat and mouse game and for some of them it takes longer and for some of them uh it's it, it's shorter but like there isn't a character from this movie that is not memorable uh which is is more than i can say for a lot of of ensemble films yeah. uh so yeah there's there's something about it being much better than it should be that makes it much scarier than it probably should be. Like it is, it is a technically proficient and and well put together end product in a way that like I don't think the people making it at the time thought that they were doing anything that good <laughs> or or that long lasting. But they certainly gave it their all, and like it remains that way. And I think that that's why it it still matters so much yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you captured a ton of what I like about that movie. Go ahead, Oren. I was going to say, it may have the best production design, like, ever. The production design, like, all the all the shit. Like, the Event Horizon is such a great-looking ship. Everything well, about it is great-looking. Like, And it has, that, it has that cool thing that you're like, I do believe that these are the parts of the ship that work. Like, I do believe that this was functional. I do believe that the Event Horizon Drive was built that way, because that's how it worked with magnets right. and polarity and stuff. But also, every part of it is fucking terrifying. And that's something that, like, like I, some of my other favorite uh, pop culture touchstones, like the Dead Space series, like, that ship is equally, like, it had to be built first with, like, function over form. And then you let the darkness bleed into it. And that makes it more scary because you're like, oh... I believe that like people lived here and that this all served a function and that no part of this is perfunctory or performative. Like there isn't a room that exists just to be a spooky right. room. Like it's all how this works and how it fits together. So you, and, and you really learn the architecture of the ship uh, in the same way that you like, you learn the architecture of the Overlook Hotel. And so when things start to be played with there, you can understand impossible spaces and, and why uh, it, it's disruptive. Yeah. To you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it looks like, like a Gothic cathedral, but it also looks like it has to look that way. Like, yeah, it, it looks like and, everything is necessary rather than decorative. Yeah, and and the the device itself is oh my I, god, like that spinning wheel thing is so fucking good. Yeah, and and the the one comment as I was pouring through like reviews, right, uh, and it's you know they're all very mixed. Somebody was like, 
why did we put so many spikes in a room in a spaceship? <laughs> you know, like, this thing uh, may run into trouble, and you don't want to be in the device room. Not because it's, like, scary and will lead you to a demonic realm, but, like, the room is full of gigantic pointy things. So, you know, try to, try to avoid it. <laughs> I, I I think the, the movie uses, though, uh, a device, pun intended, that explores that idea of, like, traveling faster than light in, in like how that could play with with our spirit or, you know, like uh, what it is to be human. And it immediately, when I saw it for the first time, I was a big, and still am a big Stephen King fan. And I'm way more into sh- the short stories than I am the novels. And he's got a short story called The Jaunt. Have mm-hmm. either one of you guys read that? Yep. Yeah, yeah right? In like not to spoil the end of the story it's like eight pages long so pause it go read the story and then come back but like when he the the criminal pops out of the other side of the device and he's like it feels like forever in there you know whatever and he's all like fucked up and evil and like he's not really evil but he's like all screwed up because it's a kid right i i thought they put no it's a kid it's a kid who doesn't go to sleep you're supposed to go to sleep and he doesn't Oh, that's right. That's because right. Because he wants to see, and it's forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely right. I think they uh, there was like a they they tried it on somebody that was on death row or something. Yeah, I think and so. That, and as they're doing the story within the story, anyways, uh, Vent Horizon reminded me of that by using the same kind of travel device mm-hmm. that there's this spooky quantum realm that we don't know shit about, but. Uh, Who's to say it's good, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, t- I totally dug it. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with you guys that uh, I think the the design itself is, is uh, fantastic. And I do have uh, a link to an article here from artsy.net all about Hieronymus Bosch. Mm-hmm. You guys know his stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's some fucked up shit. That's all, <laughs> that's all there is to it. <laughs> There, there are, I think, full scenes from this movie that are lifted almost directly from his artwork, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in some of the, some again, some of the shit they had to mostly cut out. But, uh, I mean, so I love this movie, all right, Brock? I dig it. But, I mean, there is some shit that's full-on lifted from Alien, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the, the the scene where they're all eating, they're like in a white cafeteria, and like they're all gathering together and putting their gear and shit on. I'm like, wow, uh, I have. Uh, I always seen this. I always kind of feel like that's a mislead. Like I always feel like Event Horizon was like everyone was assuming this was going to be about aliens, so we're gonna set it up to look like it's gonna be about aliens, and then it's about hell. Yeah. Hell in outer space, right? Which I think completely flips the trope of what, like, particularly our, like, westernized version of the way heaven and hell is all set up, you know? Like, right. As way, way above, so yep. below. Right, right. Which is another, I think, spectacular film that doesn't get nearly the, uh, you know, the accolades it should. Uh, as above, so below is, is fan-fucking-tastic. But, uh, like... I do think there is some cleverness involved with putting the, you know, the absolute worst thing in the world, uh, way, way, way above us in outer space. You mm-hmm. know, like that's that's creative and clever. So uh, I think it's also important to kind of talk some about the cast here, because uh, 
there are some fantastic, strange performances that I like a lot, but I mean, I don't think anybody's playing it safe in this film, yeah? So Sam Neill, this is like prime Sam Neill. Oh, Sam Neill's uh, so good in this. <laughs> right! Uh, he's There's enough smiling and winking in this film that uh, it... it, it I don't know. It just totally and completely works. Brock, do you like good Sam or bad Sam better? I I I, I would challenge that. I don't think there is a good Sam. There's like a manic Sam, okay. fair, uh, <laughs> and then an evil Sam. Uh, but uh, neither of them are Jason Isaacs. Uh, that's the key, Jason Isaacs. That's the secret weapon. Okay, <laughs> all right. What, uh, what what do you like so much about his performance, or just about him? Oh, because he. Because he's always standing next to Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, the secret weapon of this movie. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, and this is before Matrix. This yep. is like, uh, I he first came on like my radar. And again, like I know he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, and I you know vaguely remember that. But he was in this. It's probably terrible. I saw it when I was like twelve, and I watched it like a dozen times because I was a nerdy twelve-year-old kid that played chess. Poorly, I might add, okay? But he was in this movie called Searching for Bobby Fischer, mm-hmm. where he plays this, like, quasi-homeless professional chess player that teaches his kid how to play. But he's got this, like, gravitas. That was a good description of that. Yeah, yeah like, I loved the movie, at least when I was 12. Uh, but he, he just brings such a, I don't know, like, a, a confidence and a, and a funness, and it, it works really, I think, well in this role, especially, again, playing opposite of Jason Isaacs, you know? I like that you just mentioned that this came out, like, two years before The Matrix, and I like that the, the like, the deck of their ship, like, the place where all their seats are and stuff, um, looks exactly like the ships from The Matrix. Like, yeah. they have the, have the swivelly, they have the swivelly chairs that are on the, like, rail thing and the ceiling and everything, just like the chair, just like the ships in The Matrix. Look, in 97, every ship looked the same in the future. <laughs> yeah. The future of 97 is now. Right. Well, in, uh, oh, man, maybe it's it's on here somewhere in the description, maybe. <laughs> but I don't think the year that they placed this film is that far from now. It was 2047. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, like 20 but years by 20 now. By 2015, we had colonies on the moon. You may have forgotten that, but yeah, that totally happened. Right. Well, it was like, uh, you know, in, in 2047, we're going to open up a, you know, a hole to hell. And, and like, motherfucker, I feel like we're in it right now, you know? <laughs> we did a little like, early. Yeah, like, we uh, elected Sam Neill, and uh, he's, he's you know, turning on the mechanism as we speak. So, we're... Uh, I don't think we elected somebody that transformed that's at true. any point. Let's, uh, let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah, right. There was no good. There we, was we no elected good. the one that already didn't have eyes, and mm. uh, yeah. yeah, no shit. Yeah, and half the people are still like, nah. I think maybe he can drive the Event Horizon out of here. I think we'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, yep. That that is uh, that is where we're headed. So we just have to elect a what a Lawrence Fishburne or fucking somebody. I don't know. Yeah. We're we're, we're this metaphor is becoming tortured. Yeah. Right. It is. It was tr- much like Lawrence Fishburne's psyche in the film Event Horizon. <laughs> well done, good play. Uh, that's what that's that's journalism for you. Yeah, you know, keeping us focused. I dig it. So 
<laughs> I'm just trying to let everyone get back to their lives. Sometimes you're just too old to talk about Event Horizon anymore. <laughs> I, I, yeah, uh, that is, uh, that is, uh, I, I made my 13 year old. I think the movie has some good scares. And I, I, whenever we do one of these that I think are high quality that, you know, or at least are close to me, I'll drag him in and like, you know, make him at least watch part of it. Uh, the, the one that scarred me as a child uh, that, that remains the one that, like, I, I just sometimes can't be in the room for is the one uh, very early in the film, which is just Dr. Weir uh, looking in the mirror and going to shave. And as the razor touches his throat, uh, the blinds of his space window mm-hmm. shutter open and it makes this loud sound and suddenly you're in space right when it looked like he might self-harm uh, after we've seen, I, I think it's after we've seen a flash of of, of him looking at the uh, the bathtub, and and there's sort of the the sense that he's he's lost somebody to suicide. As yeah, so just uh, that as a kid, that one got me and continues to get me every time. Even though I think I've memorized it at this point, it still just doesn't go away. Yeah, no, I, there is something inherent about shaving that also I think makes you feel vulnerable, or you know, I, like I don't like as a guy i guess you shave your neck maybe it's different with women but like uh that that scene i totally get that and the the shaving scene in uh eli roth's um come on help me out cabin fever cabin fever fever. yeah that thing is like tough like i and i can see almost anything but it's like nah can't can't do either but so is the shaving scene in the Royal Tenenbaums. So, like, yeah, there's a lot yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. It's just like shaving is a great way to make your audience feel really fucking uncomfortable. Okay, I got it. When when I when I make my first feature, I'll I'll be sure that it's 45 minutes of just people shaving. Okay, I'm cool. Good. I'm cool with that. So, is that what Wallace and Gromit's close shave is about? I've never seen it, uh, but they're, now I don't. They're want shaving to. bits of clay off themselves. Oh God, that sounds yes. <laughs> And that is a dark, dark turn. Oh, man. So I, any conversation about Event Horizon, we have to at least spend a little bit of time talking about, like, the production itself. Have you heard any of that? And I think it's all, like, apocryphal. I don't know if it's super well documented. But, like, the production on this, sh- like, on the set sucked really bad. And, like, I don't know, it doesn't sound like the cast or crew really liked uh, you know Paul Anderson's style, <laughs> like or him at all. You know, so have you heard about? He was also too young and undeveloped at this point to even have something that you'd refer to as style. I imagine that he was difficult to work yeah. with. Yeah, well, and I think the film itself is a little eso- esoteric, at least in you know, like it's not a creature movie. You yeah, know, well, where... I mean, like, and I know, as I've I've alluded several times, like they shot a ton of stuff they couldn't use. Right. Because they made them they made them like strip all the gore shit way back. Like it was originally gonna be way more graphic. And all you get are flashes of it in that one sequence. But like they shot it all. Um for people that don't know, there is uh, a, a couple of sequences uh, where the darkness of the ship is felt and what you are given is basically ten to fifteen seconds of uh, just a, a gore orgy, uh, which is uh, also part of what you have to discuss in terms of the production, because what they did was they got together uh, amputees and people with various prosthetics, uh, and and that's how they shot sequences that include like 
somebody that it looks like an entire arm is down somebody else's throat and there's spikes through people and it's this horrifying burst of, of, of this stuff, but also as, as becomes part of the want of the film community uh, over the years as, as people have pushed for this director's cut or an extended cut that would restore all of this footage uh, the way it was originally cut together. Uh, they just like threw it away. Mm-hmm. They lost it somewhere. Yeah. So there's no ability to do that yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, and they like they found a handful of those scenes. And again, this is all more myth and legend than reality. <laughs> but like in a fucking cave in Syria, you know, and like the original cut was 135 minutes long. And, and so there's so much of this stuff that is that is removed. But when you somebody saved this in the editing room, yeah. they really I mean, did. I can't right. imagine. I can't imagine being a lot longer would have helped this a ton. Although it would have probably been a good like mini series. Like, if it was a yeah. lot, a lot longer, it might have been good. But, like, I can't imagine it being better at, like, 135 minutes. I I feel like Event Horizon has been up for a TV adaptation more than once now. Yeah, it yes. definitely <laughs> feels like something that would fit in, like, our current era of prestige TV. Like, in 97, it would have been terrible. But, like, you know, our... Look, we have a TV show on the air right now that's Snowpiercer, right. so I all fucking rules right, are right, off. Right. Quibby. I have not seen that yet, but I, I like I, I you know really enjoyed the film, so I'm I'm kind of excited. Uh, I'll link to uh, an article here too as well. Amazon did uh, commission a pilot for a miniseries for a a series based off of this IP. So nice. that was that article happened like came out like a year and a half ago so who who fucking knows you it, know? it could still happen yeah well yeah we're, we're about to enter into a period where people are going to pull a lot of shelved tv out <laughs> yeah. uh, and give it to us in the fall because they don't have anything yep. else right. <laughs> so we're gonna have a weird time we're gonna see some weird things yeah well and it could go uh the same route as Zombieland. they commissioned like uh, like half a season of that and they ran like two episodes and it was so god awful <laughs> mostly because like the, the characters they used were essentially the same characters, but not the same actors, you know? Sure. So there was this weird uh, willing suspension to disbelief that I was unwilling to do. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was, it was not wonderful. So uh, who knows? Maybe I will end up in, in that same category. But what I would love to see is, is Amazon return to that thing that they used to do uh, for a couple of years there where uh, they'd put up like, a shit ton of pilots they'd shot and have like online voting yeah. and send like two or three to series. <laughs> I really missed that. I had some friends that had shows that like weren't picked up and then found their way to like IFC TV mm-hmm. or, or never went anywhere. But I was always just like, it's it feels so dumb to make pilots and then never let anyone <laughs> see them. And uh, at least I can respect that that Amazon does does yeah. that. Yeah, or did. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I remember when they did that, it was kind of fun. You know, it had an interactive element to it, which I thought was super cool. They had my my oldest son plays soccer, and they had at, like at the time that they were doing that, he was like five or six. They had like a little kid show about two girls that played soccer, and like he loved it. Like we watched that goddamn pilot like a gazillion times, <laughs> but it never got picked up. So I was like stuck watching this one episode of this thing over and over and over again. Uh, it. it it would be equally torturous if if we did get to see the one pilot episode of Event Horizon. And it's really, really good, and it ends like as they get to the right. ship. And they're like, okay, so we never get to see. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think uh, one of the things that I wrote down here that I did want to touch on at least a little bit. 
you uh, commented, Brock, initially that you really loved how you got a little bit of everybody's backstories. Like everybody had like an independent kind of torture element to it. And uh, mm-hmm. in that way, it kind of reminded me a little bit of a movie. It's much maligned. It is in my kind of secret pantheon of films. I won't call it a guilty favorite because I don't feel guilty for liking it. But uh, the original Flatliners kind of used the same plot device. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, yeah, yeah, I'll take that one. So uh, is there a particular backstory that you think was uh, more scary than the others or that, uh, you know, was more compelling and, and thus you wanted to spend more time with it or? I think some of Jason Isaacs' stuff, uh, especially around like the the surgical center, but also threading the needle uh, for uh, the captain's trauma, that that was interesting. I I, I think the uh, the person that's serving that has the uh, the handicapped son who you see running, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's there's just so much there, and it took so little to set it up. There's video email early in the movie, but it also like establishes that like they've been on a multi year journey here, and they're trying to you know catch up with family members and uh already there's just an inherent trauma in them reaching this point yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean and one of the things i love about it is that like except for uh you know larry fishburns like you never get the backstory handed to you either like it's always just little things like that it's not like someone sitting down and saying like oh this happened to me and it was so rough and now the ship is showing it to me no one ever explains that it just you just have to you'd have to put it together from what they've already said and seen and things and I like that I appreciate that <laughs> well also there's there's enough like uh, red herrings including uh, one of one of my favorite in all of horror cinema uh, which is Jason Isaacs uh, not fully translating a Latin phrase uh, which is incorrect by the way <laughs> uh, and then coming back to it later and getting it and it it wildly twisting the direction of the mm. film. Uh, and yeah, it's just memorable things like that that you're like, you know what? I, there's not another Paul W. S. Anderson film where a, a major plot point is going to be a mis- mistranslation of Latin. Yeah. So, uh, are, are you trying? Are you trying to tell me that in Death Race Four Beyond Anarchy, <laughs> they don't spend a great deal of time translating Latin? I stopped at three, but you know what? <laughs> Go off. Yeah, Death Race Four: uh, The Race to Translate Latin. Yeah, that's yep. it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I do think, and I think you're you're totally nailing it here, Brock. I like, I this remains despite its its flaws, and it certainly has those flaws. I think a relatively smart movie. It asks the audience to do a lot, and uh, like it is not your typical kind of uh, jar heady, for lack of a better term, like broy, you know, whatever. <laughs> kind of dumb movie i think it it is operating on a couple but still a lot of like interesting technical stuff a lot of like genuine hard sci-fi but also it does a thing where like characters can become like possessed but unlike evil dead they can suddenly become unpossessed when it seems like they're gonna die and uh that that keeps you on your toes too uh also uh and let me just give this statement one gigantic caveat i smoked for a long time and I, I am really happy that I no longer smoke, but I loved every goddamn cigarette I smoked. Everybody smokes on this spaceship. <laughs> Everybody, and smokes a lot. And I can't think, I, I couldn't think otherwise, especially in the rewatch. And maybe it's because I've read some reviews that have mentioned it. Like, that can't be safe. <laughs> you uh, know? I, I also like that everybody's smoking a lot while we have a subplot about how much breathable air we have. <laughs> yeah. 
They're like, fuck it. If you breathe cigarette, you aren't breathing oxygen. That Come makes on. sense. Right. Yeah. That's, okay. that's how they're saving themselves. Yeah, that, that yeah. tracks. Despite being in an oxygen-rich environment where everything is flammable, as does happen in the film. Yeah, um, and, and also in the time of COVID, before they, like, you know, went into their hibernation chambers, right? Which we can talk about in just a minute, because I think those things are fucking terrifying, too. But uh, there, there is no short of four people that share one cigarette. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, y'all are going to wake up with the same goddamn cold... Because oh, you know these people all live together in one room. That's essentially. True. They're fine. Yeah. Any one of them gets sick, they're all sick. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> fucking put something on your face and stop sharing a cigarette. Yeah. It's not uh yeah, whatever. Uh, so I want to talk about before we before we are done entirely or I lose it, like um so one of my favorite things about this movie is that like Alien always gets called a haunted house movie in space. That's what people always call it, which is a pet peeve of mine because it super isn't that. It's more like like a slasher in space. I don't know. But um, this actually is a haunted house movie in space. Like, it... it, it yeah, in Alien, the ship is not conspiring right. against yeah. them in addition to the exactly. alien. The environment is not antagonistic towards them except for what they do to themselves. Right, yeah. Like, this yeah. is... It literally is a spaceship that is haunted. The spaceship itself is literally an antagonist. It... Uh, the walls bleed at one point. Like, in case the haunted house was too some subtle up till then. Um, and one of my favorite things that I noticed this time around that I had never thought about before was that the positioning of it being right by Neptune, they use the storm on the surface of Neptune to make it literally a dark and stormy night outside. Ah. In space. In space. Right. Like, yeah, so you have, like, spooky lightning storm happening outside the windows of your spaceship. It's so good. With thunder, yep. which is yep. wild. Yeah. Well, uh, so good. It's so good. I mean, it, it does have bleeding walls. And anytime there are bleeding walls, it reminds me of, like, uh, I think it's Eddie Murphy that does the, the skit about, like... I just wanted your statement just to end there. <laughs> anytime like, there's bleeding walls, bleeding it reminds walls, me of That always reminds me of the Murph dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, dude, his early stand-up was, was like, blood on the walls. No, like... Uh, <laughs> He's got a really funny bit about like how you go house shopping, right? And your wife would be like, "It's a beautiful dining room," and and then you go into the other one, and like the walls would bleed, and a voice would be like, "Get out!" And you'd be like, "Well, it's a great dining room, but we can't stay." <laughs> but that would be the end of the movie, you know. And uh, this way, if somebody was like, "Yeah, maybe the chairs covered in gore uh, are probably not a wonderful uh, sign that we should stay here. Let's get the fuck out." But uh, nobody makes that call, and I think one of the major, you know, obvious uh, plot points here is that they destroy the Lewis and Clark, so you're fucked. You know, you were literally stuck on that ship, which I is. But, and also before that, like, who's made, like, the four-year journey here just to be like, "Ah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. This looks a little iffy for me. I think we'll take off. Yeah, that's right. Give me another cigarette. Put me back in fucking scary cryovac chamber. Let's go back. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the lack of unionization in the Alien franchise taught us anything, it's probably that if they returned without taking care of their gig here, they'd all just be charged the cost of the eight-year trip, personally. So, to bring this conversation full circle, Brock, what you're telling me is Quibi probably owns Event Horizon, huh? 
Probably. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Well, no, 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 no. Quibi is the event horizon. <laughs> what did it do with its crew? I didn't pay them. So that's... <laughs> ah, fair enough. So if I watch everything, it's a little bit like uh, figuring it out of the box, uh, you know, in Hellraiser, that if I watch every single piece of content on Quibi, that it will open up a portal to hell? Well, if you get started now, you can tell me tomorrow. <laughs> that's true, because they're all like three <laughs> minutes long, right? Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, we like to do this thing uh, on the Horror Pod class. Where theoretically, uh, it rarely happens, but theoretically, our listeners would hopefully learn something or at least, you know, gain a better knowledge of, of the movie that we're talking about. Uh, but there's always that one kid that is either smarter than the teachers, which happened last week, uh, or is simply not paying attention, or just dickheads in the back of the room. And. I find that student by going to Amazon and looking at one star reviews until I find one that seems to have totally and completely missed it. It is a a little bit of a ritual, if you will, that we like to have our guests read our anonymous Amazon user. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's no problem. I will do it for you. But if you wouldn't mind, will you read uh, this week's anonymous Amazon user? Here we go. This is a radically stupid space movie, and a worse horror flick. Gory purely for the sake of gore, it invokes no terror and only canned suspense. It is basically a haunted house in space. The plot, what there was of it, was not reasonable. The movie was a string of pearls made of the individual's nightmares, but the string was missing. It is a movie to be endured in the expectation that something will happen to make sense of the story, or rather, even make a story. For instance, I consider 2001 a space odyssey to be excellent. Clear (laughs) storyline. And you come to know and like all the characters even how. (laughs) My my note here. You know who my favorite character was in that and who I felt like we got enough backstory on was uh, monkey number four. Uh, (laughs) I'm a big fan of the monkeys. (laughs) Uh, I just liked all the landscapes. Um, Yeah. yeah, My note here is, ah yes, 2001, that movie famous for checks notes, the clarity of its plot. Like, like that is that is literally the last thing on the 2001 list. Oh yeah, clear plot. That's what yeah, this you, movie had. I want to hear him describe the two movies, what he thinks the plot is, because if if he were to somehow succinctly summarize 2001 and then stumble his fucking way through Event Horizon, we we truly are working with a beautiful mind, and then he's forgiven for the entirety of it. <laughs> yeah, man, I, like. It is amazing to me. A couple of things. This movie is super polarizing, okay? So I would say if you look at how it how it's done on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a pretty even score for audience, right? Like uh, general fans tend to be mixed, but overall it's okay. The movie was panned by critics when it oh, came yeah. out. And I like I I don't I maybe it's just because the nature of you know what I do here is I watch a lot of really terrible scary movies, right? And most of the time, I I have a, a ton of fun. I've seen some god awful stuff, but this isn't it. Like I couldn't ever spin uh, saying that this movie is bad. I could say it's not my thing. I could say my you know, my favorite thing about the about like the a lot of the anonymous Amazon user reviews you pick is like this, and this is a good example. Like there's a lot that's actually wrong with this movie. None of which is what they talk about. Yeah, like, man. this movie has way too many, like, slow motion explosions and people being thrown over desks. And 
Yeah. And the CGI is incredibly not ready for prime time, even for 97 at times, um, especially the floating stuff. But, like, none of that is what they talk about. It's always the stuff that it actually does well that they talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and clearly, if they wanted a cogent plot and using 2001 as the kind of archetype of that, yeah, uh, something's getting lost in, in translation either way. So, Brock, do you have uh, anything else you want to add to our conversation about uh, Event Horizon? Uh, no, I think we covered it. I think we did it. Good yeah. job, guys. <laughs> Yay! We can, we don't we can get... knock off for the evening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I do uh, want to briefly mention, if you really like the architecture and the kind of art design that we've talked about, you would be really good to spend some time going to 2B TV. I think it's free right now. A documentary that came out last year that premiered at Fantastic Fest. Uh, a documentary called Memory, the Origin of Alien, which is really about the production design of the alien spacecraft and the alien itself. But I think it borrows enough of the imagery that, that they would be pretty good uh, cousins here. So check out Memory, the Origin of Alien. It's it's really a fantastic documentary. So, Well, okay, Brock, uh, thanks again for coming on tonight. Where, uh, where can they catch more of what you are doing obviously the pages of the pitch and uh what pitch.com uh but uh, uh the pitchkc.com and uh, you can find me on all social media at brock wilbur and i have a book out through boss fight books called postal about a bad game made by bad people uh, if you enjoyed the shtick on the show tonight you'll probably enjoy that very good uh, talk to I, I meant to ask about this earlier i did not play this game coming uh, like growing up but uh the 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 game itself was about like a postal worker that like kills his uh, co-workers. I don't think it has anything to do with the postal <laughs> service, but uh, you know, I've sunk hundreds of hours into it in research and interviewed the creators and I can't get an answer on that. Okay. So, <laughs> so it is a, uh, it is a game that uh, was troubled. Yeah. It is, and the book uh, deals with both the troubled game, but also the UV Bull movie uh, made from it uh, that uh, my friend Nathan Rabin uh, covers and interviews UV Bull for. So very good. You know, fun time, fun time for all. Very good. Well, we'll have to check it out. I'll have a link to that book uh, for folks that want to read more about it uh, in the show notes. Oren, where can they find more of your stuff? As always, I am Oren Gray at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at OrenGray.com. Awesome. Very good. Well, you can find more of my stuff at Ty Unsel on Twitter. I also uh, run the Signal Horizon. Signal. I love that. I'm going to I'm going to cut that and I'm going to use that as a bumper from now on. Do you give me permission for that? <laughs> yeah, go right. <laughs> Signal love it. Horizon. I love it. Uh, yeah, you can uh, do me a favor, though. We have uh, picked up some really great followers that will or that have left up some great reviews on iTunes. That's kind of uh, elevates how many people can see us and helps with downloads and all that kind of jazz. So leave us uh, whatever rating you think we deserve on iTunes or join our study group, the Horror Podcast study group on Facebook, where you will get uh, real time updates and you can talk to us. If you want to write for Signal Horizon, if you're interested in yelling at me because I got something wrong or, uh, you know, saying that I'm doing a terrible job, 
then I'll give you Brock's email. And if he doesn't <laughs> respond to you, then uh, you can hit me up at Tyler at SignalHorizon.com. Just send I a will... handwritten letter to the pitch. It'll be fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. I like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a handwritten thank you note to Brock at the pitch, I think. Uh, I'm not there. No <laughs> one's there. <laughs> He will get it in a year and a half when you have a goddamn back. Okay, so what are we doing next episode, Orin? We are going to watch Dr. X in uh, tribute to Richard Sala, because it's maybe the most Richard Sala-ish movie there is. All right. What what year? 31? 32? Holy Something shit. like that. It's going to be short, though. I'm, it will just be like, short. Just like Attack of the Crab Monsters. Yep. And it's in two-strip Technicolor, which you don't get to see very often, so... All right, all right. I'll have to go hunt it down, but I'm, I'm kind of excited. Well, very good. Brock, thanks one last time, and class dismissed. Class dismissed.